the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is Friday, May 19th. Kind of held off on this one. Thought we might get an Aaron Rodgers contract extension detail update. We did not. We got a little bit of a precursor to it. I'm going to bounce around a little bit here to start with some notable notes and then Cousin Dan joins me with a deep segment into the quarter turn mark of Major League Baseball. Some uh, fun facts, our favorite free agent contract, our favorite extension, our favorite trade, how things are shaping up, some MVP and award candidates um, as we get through 25% of this season, some surprises, some not surprises, right? Some payrolls that are looking pretty ugly right now and some uh, teams that aren't spending a dollar and they're still uh, near the top of their current division right now. So Dan and I break down all things Major League Baseball here coming up in a few minutes. But first, I mentioned the Aaron Rodgers saga. It's not really a saga. I mean, he's not going to make $2 million this year. If any of you out there think that's going to be a thing, this is simply a way to eliminate his cap for the interim, allowing the Jets to operate as a functional NFL franchise in May and while they figure out how they're going to make this work. And by the way, it's not just about what is he going to make this year. It's how do we... How do we structure this thing so that he almost absolutely has to come back and play for us next year? My my only thought with that is buyer beware. Buyer beware. You may want to give yourself a decent out. You may. I, I don't know that he's the same player. Is he still above average? Yep. Is he probably going to be worth it for two years? Yep. Is he going to make $60 million this and next year? Yeah. He is. I don't think he's taking a pay cut here. I've heard that quite a bit too. That just It's just not what he does. Now, people change. People get older. People get smarter. There's a football IQ side of it. There's certainly a business acumen side to Aaron Rodgers. He knows what he's doing here. He also knows how much this, this league makes, how much the Jets make. Looking around the room, there's not a lot of massive contracts in that locker room right now. There's really no reason for Aaron Rodgers to take a pay cut. Can he spread it over two years? Absolutely. Can you make it work cap-wise? Absolutely. Those are the conversations that are being had. I would be utterly shocked if Aaron Rodgers is making anything less than $60 million over this and next season. It should be more because 60 is what was owed to him originally this season. But I have, I have a sinking feeling that we're talking about a two-year, a two-for-one situation with Aaron Rodgers that includes some sort of February vesting bonus, right? Some waivers after Super Bowl waiver bonus and uh, plenty of other bells and whistles built in from there. But we're getting closer. Why do we know that? Because the Jets made one of those roster moves that says we're setting up for something. And it's not just signing their draft class, something they do have to do a decent amount of still. Uh, they only need about $4.8 million of off-season cap space to sign their entire draft class. So they've had that out of the gate. That has never been a concern from them. What they did do recently is they restructured a contract that freed up over $12 million here. Um, it, was a, it was a veteran player that I thought was somewhat on the bubble in Carl Lawson. Injuries just impacted really his first couple of seasons here. And... He was on an expiring contract. There was a clear out. They basically said, all right, look, this guy actually showed he can hang around a little bit here. This is no time to be dropping veteran edge rushers. I get that part of it. And we've reduced his cap down to about $3 million. Use some void years. Use some cap gymnastics. 
freed up 12.7 million. I have a sinking feeling that it's going to come with a cause and effect situation, which means they're operating with about 19 million of top 51 cap space as we speak. That should be plenty to do whatever they're about to do with Aaron Rodgers, utilizing you know everything they possibly can. This could be a new five-year contract. This could be a two-year deal with void years. This could be bonus, you know, double bonuses again here. There's all sorts of ways to make sure Aaron Rodgers is in about a ten to eleven million dollar cap hit right now for them, because he's coming in on house money, right? I mean, they they're ripping this thing up and starting over. He's sitting near the bottom of their cap table currently because of a minimum salary, et cetera, et cetera. So they kind of have carte blanche with how they want to ha- operate with the rest of this money. You know, it's a minimum one one six five salary. You want to throw a fifty million dollar signing bonus into there? You can do that. And the cap hit's still going to be extremely, extremely favorable for 2023. But the 12-7 cleared up is certainly a warning shot to us that something is coming. And what bigger something than the next quarterback contract for the New York Jets? Speaking of which, we had a quarterback contract situation in Pittsburgh. Mitchell Trubisky signed a two-year extension. Have seen zero details on this. And I can tell you the entire story right now. This guy had a $10.6 million cap figure. For 2023, he was a very high bubble candidate because of it and because of Kenny Pickett. Now, I think for all intents, this was a good situation for both sides. This was a nice backup role for him. Kenny Pickett is not a sure thing. So there's a very realistic chance that Trubisky gets a starting job here. But by week five, by week six, again this year, that was the deal last year. He got kind of the chance out of the gate. Pickett took it over and he he held his own. I wouldn't say he ran away with it. And I don't think he's going to be in that situation this year either. So this is a nice landing spot for Trubisky to be in. So what this two-year deal is, is probably a lot of what I just said with Aaron Rodgers. Let's take the $8 million and change you're owed, turn it into two years, drop the current cap hit a little bit, make it work better for a, ba- a backup quarterback contract, build in some incentives so that if and when you're starting and you get hit certain thresholds of passing yards and playing time and et cetera, you make a couple million extra. All the things that that should be happening now with the QB2 and as we talked about before, there should be a QB3 contract that looks like this as well, because it's a position that is as of, of utmost importance and of, we've seen so many go down, right? So this to me is the perfect model of what you want, especially behind a rookie quarterback. And uh, I think it's a good fit from a football standpoint as well. Looking to see these numbers soon, but I have a feeling it's more about spreading out what he currently had than it is adding a ton, ton more to a two-year extension. And finally, the uh, rumors are starting to finally come out in Cincinnati that the, the borough contract is is getting towards its last years. And we knew it was going to get here eventually. Josh Allen, I think, waited until July something. Uh, we've seen certain players go down until the Julys and August near the training camp just because the negotiations are really difficult. This is <laughs> This is one of the harder contracts in sports right now, right? So I, I do think there's a there's a back and forth happening. It sounds like there's real progress and it sounds like Burrow is not concerned. Although that's sort of Joe Burrow's brand, right? Let's just stay cool. Let's stay low. Let's stay uh, off the mark a little bit with it. And then when it hits, I'll enjoy it. I'll party. I'll celebrate and we'll go do our thing. I I am extremely excited to see the structure of this contract because of the team, because of the player. There's, I think there's a legitimate chance that Joe Burrow takes a bit of a bite on this. And it's not this massive, you know, bloated monster bonus situation. I think there'll be a huge signing bonus, but I'm pretty confident about that. I think that's going to be the crux 
of the guarantee at signing, possibly all of it. Is that crazy? Are they going to are they going to revert to like a Pittsburgh Steelers type type mantra where we're, we're front loading you a hell of a bonus, but that's all we can do up front for that escrow account. And then you're just going to have to live every March to, to invest the next year's contract, right? Early roster bonuses, early vesting guarantees on the salary. It's possible they go that route. It's possible this is something extremely creative and uh, I guess mimics the Hertz contract a little bit more where there's three or four you know, bonuses, two, two or three option bonuses. I don't think the per gamers are going to be in there. It seems like quarterbacks are really getting their way with that. We'll probably have a no trade clause. I think bros earned that right. And outside of that, it's just going to be a boatload of money, right? 200, it's, is 200 million practical guaranteed enough? No, probably not. Um, you know, if with him and Herbert going back and forth and Lamar at 185, I guess that's probably the nice round number, but I'd like to see more than that. If we're going to suffer on the guarantee at signing, and I, I still think Cincinnati is going to force him to do so, I'd like to see this thing be extremely impactful with practical, likely early vesting guarantees. So I'm thrilled to see it. I, I, I know it's coming around the corner here. There's still some roster decisions that happen there, but it sure seems like this one's coming ahead and uh, we'll have some details and updates on it rather soon. One more note. We are closing in on June 1st. I think some really notable players are about to get thrown to the, to the wayside here uh, after that June 1st date, which forces dead cap to be split. Delvin Cook appears to be one of them, and it seems like a foregone conclusion. Teams are already lining up. Betting sites are already lining up the odds for where this thing's going to go next. It may be a contender. It could be a team like Tampa or the Rams, but for sure, it seems like Delvin Cook is off this Minnesota roster which brings me back to this conversation. And it might be worth having a, a deeper dive conversation on Minnesota. Uh, this is an NFC North without Aaron Rodgers now. Okay. You've got a Jordan Love situation that could go completely haywire. Justin Fields could regress. There's no guarantee he's going to take another step forward. And Detroit is already struggling heading into the, into the regular season here with this, you know, the, the gambling suspensions with a questionable draft class at best. Could be great, but certainly question marks. And a Jared Goff conversation that I like the kid and I think he did a lot of good things in the, with the Rams, but he's limited and he was inconsistent. So is this going to be the year that he dips if last year was a notably good year for him? I just think this is a time to pounce if you're Minnesota and they just seem to be going through the motions with Cousins. I, we've, I guess I started to hear some Jefferson contract conversations, but there's nothing about this team that says we're still constructed to win. They just think, I, th I think they can run, the, run out there and win 12 games, get into the playoffs and do some damage. I would be looking to push hard right now if I'm that team. You know, they traded Zadarius Smith. It just seems like nobody in that division wants to grab this thing and run with it. So if you're a betting man or a betting woman, bet the Bears, bet the Lions, okay? <laughs> bet the Packers right now before we see Jordan Love do his thing or we see, you know, some of those running backs finally take that step forward that we know they can do. There's a, it's open field, open season in the NFC North. And I, I just think it feels like a squandered off season for the Vikings to finally take the reins without Aaron Rodgers in town. But we'll see. The crazier things have certainly happened. All right. Let's get to one of my favorite things ever. A deep dive into the Major League Baseball season with Cousin Dan. All right, Dan, we're at the quarter turn of the Major League Baseball season. Believe it or not, and neither of our teams are where we thought they would be right now. That's the Mets and the Guardians, respectively. Um, there are some surprises that are kind of holding court still. 
but we're here to talk about sort of the uh, a recap of the offseason and how it looks at least uh, 25% of the way through. Let's start with free agency. I know you've done some work on this. I have some some names in my head. Obviously, Aaron Judge is the top of the free agency list. Which names are at least holding court right now with big splashy contract this winter and uh, still producing on the field, whether it's with the current or previous team? Yeah, so it's obvious. I mean, it's really hard to, you know, these long-term deals, it's hard to have a Mm -hmm. difference in, uh, you know, a change in feeling here after, um, you know, only 40, 50 games here. But I, I mean, most of these, sorry, let's back up. Most of the teams that spent big are not, necessarily seeing the payoff from it but i think some of that is just small sample size um mixed with injury and a lot of those teams are going to turn it around um in terms of these lengthy 10 you know nine-year deals 10-year deals um it's way too early to really diagnose those i know you're not trying to do that you're just we're just trying to kind of poke holes in in some of the ones that might look bad um already so in intermediate i think my least favorite or like maybe the worst contract so far has been the Jose Abreu contract. Um, not that it was that big, but he has just been an all around disappointment there. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side of it though. Um, I, I mean like the Trey Turner deal, I have no issue with still. Um, I think that's going to work out long-term despite the Phillies struggling to start. They're starting to turn it around here a little bit. Um, you know, we've talked at length about the Aaron judge deal, how that will probably age poorly, you know, seven years from now, but in the, it's still no issues in the short term. Um, I kind of want to highlight a few that were maybe less talked about that have sort of sneaky um, upside here. The, the first one I, I want to tackle is Dansby Swanson. I know I have, um, you know, been kind of on the, the, the side of I've been on the side of the Cubs are better than people think. And I think the offense is sort of bore out with that to start. Um, And a lot of that is, you know, Swanson hasn't necessarily blown the doors off um, to start here, but he's been a really nice stabilizing um, veteran bat in the middle of that young lineup, which has really surprised a lot of people. So um, that's one of the ones I kind of like the most, even though that wasn't really like, one of the flashier signings. No, of the offseason, and, and so. just to jump in, Dan, the, the 25 a year and change that Swansby gotten, it's an overpay. But in the context of who the Cubs are, with a bunch of rookies, a ton of pre-arb, and a couple of high-paid veteran pitchers, it's just the right move. You know, it's it's the it's the next step towards establishing themselves as a credible a credible team in that in that division. And oh, by the way it's the shortstop, you know, it's not like this is the second baseman or a backup catcher, yada, yada. So to me, that contract was always going to be just fine, especially if the season bore out like you thought it would. And look, they're five under 500 right now at the time of this, uh, this recording, they're a plus 22 run differential too, Dan. So everything you said right there, it seems to be bearing out, you know, from a number standpoint, which means they're scoring some runs and they're just not talented enough right now to go on the mound and get seven from a starter and do that religiously and consistently. I think they're going to pay for that though soon. Don't you, is this a team that's going to be crazy active over the next couple of months? I feel it. Yeah, I think they, well, an underrated 
part of that organization is their is their farm system is sneaky good when they they did a a really phenomenal job of turning over that veteran core of uh bryant rizzo wilson contreras well contreras walked but you know what i mean that that yeah um they did a phenomenal job of getting majorly close to major league talent that they've they've further developed so um but to answer your point, I think they're going to supplement that with major moves over the next few years here. So um, that was just one I wanted to highlight because um, it's kind of lesser talked about in terms of the big deals. Um, I did pull the top 10 contracts here by mm-hmm. uh, total uh, total dollar value. And just to take a look at the, um, the total value ranking in our system here and um, <laughs> of the of the top 10, seven of them were, were position players. Um, and basically six of those are not measuring up, um, in terms of a good value in our system. Now, how about three of them are NAs (laughs) because of injuries? Well, those are, yeah, those are the pitchers too, that I carved out just to kind of um, yeah. separate this a little bit, but those pitchers all happen to be injured. So that that's kind of the, um, the, the point you're making there. So, Basically, what I'm trying to say is obviously these big deals aren't going to be good in terms of value in our system, but none of them, almost none of them even rank in the top 100. The most surprising to me is that Brandon Nimmo is is quite easily by far the best value in our system, which is a contract that I was down quite a bit on to start the year, um, mostly because I thought it was just inflated due to the lack of center field um, market rather than me not yeah. liking the player himself. So, but I, that was one that stuck out to me. Um, that's uh, 53rd. It's ranked 53rd overall in our system on the year. Um, basically everything else is, um, you know, outside of the Bogarts contract is like well beyond, uh, you know, the top hundred here. So the most valuable, which was, one of the more valuable free agent contracts, um, which was a little bit surprising to me, but in hindsight isn't because he's on a major league minimum is the Jason Hayward deal. Yeah. Um, he signed as a minor league. Uh, that was a minor league deal. And then um, he got promoted to the 40 man roster, but that is one of the better free agent signings. He's going to help the Dodgers this year. He's going to be a factor. Exactly. And I, I mostly, I wanted to talk about that because in an off season where the Dodgers mostly got, butchered for not spending they kind of look like the smartest team in the room because these major contracts have not worked out for the most part so the fact that they kind of sat on the sideline might and are leaning on some of their like lesser major league talent or older veterans that they signed on on like minor league uh, minor league deals or major league minimum deals they're really getting a lot out of those guys um despite you know, having some injury injury bug like the rest of the 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 uh, league this year. So two points to bounce around, and then we'll move on. Um, you mentioned the Turner contract with the Phillies. I know you've been down on this Phillies team basically ever since the World Series ended. Because and and it's not just you. Most most baseball analysts right now think that team was a false positive last year. You know, and that any kind of push this offseason was going to be for the future, not for the immediate. This was not a team that could get themselves back to the World Series with any kind of ease in 2023. It's a shortstop contract. It's a top three player contract, right? I mean, Trey Turner at any point in time is an MVP candidate. But was it the right time for that team to sign that player to that contract? Um, yes. So I, I, I want to 
back off that I don't you you characterized it right. I've been down on them. I, I want to back off that just a tad because a lot of that was reliant on two major factors was I didn't think Bryce Harper would return this quickly and I didn't yep. think he would be an impactful bat this early in the year. Um I thought if you remove him from the lineup, uh, I, I thought it was underrated. Um, you know, the it was going to be a bridge was, year essentially, right? Because of Harper's yes. situation. But can I tack ways. onto that, Dan? Because the expiring of Aaron Nola, the, the, the unknown of a couple more pitchers in that rotation, it just felt like this wasn't a, an increasing contention window. It may have been a decreasing contention window, you know? So are you saying there's probably holes in that conversation? Well, so I, I was down on them because of Harper and the depth of pitching plus the bullpen. The bullpen is not that great beyond Aaron Noah, Zach Wheeler, um, who both come in. I mean, Noah has been healthy, but there's some injury concerns there as well. Uh, you know, br- sorry, breakdown concerns there. Zach Wheeler. Um, we, we've seen that a little bit play out early in the year, but so the lack of depth is why I think I was a little bit hesitant on them, on them. Um, but I do see what your point, your point in locking in a big, deal like that for 10 yeah. years when really maybe they could have addressed it um cheaper like with a cheaper option or maybe like an unknown option but um Dave Dombrowski is not one for um no you know lesser deal so uh, it doesn't and, surprise and, and by the way Trey Turner is the kind is of guy you do it now and figure it out later for right I mean he's just that damn good right and I think like we've talked about in the past, he's not elite in any aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like even speed, he's known as like a, uh, like a, a base dealer, which he is, but it's not just because of elite speed. He's just very, he's above average at every part of the game. So I think that profile will age better than if he was just like a speed reliant um, guy, which like, your defense can fall off. If, if you lose a step, things like that. We saw that with like Lorenzo Kane, a guy like that. Sure. Um, this is that's not Trey Turner. So I, I do think the contract in a vacuum is going to be okay. The player is going to be fine. Um, I do think it's worth questioning the timing of this uh, of this deal with the rest of the how the roster is constructed. Yeah, I do. I, there's some questions there. <clears throat> um, you mentioned the pitchers. Uh, it, it, just the top ten free agent contracts. We've got you know De, uh, Degrom fifth year at 185. It took a minute and a half for his injury history to rear its ugly head, unfortunately. Carlos Rodon hasn't even gotten on the mound yet, and there's setbacks and indefinite timetables and all sorts of problems there. And by the way, this was a known, a known factor with him, right? This, was not, this is not something new that popped up. This is something old that has now reared its head, ugly head back here. Uh, that's six years and 160 and change for the Yankees who desperately need him right now. And then the Edwin Diaz completely freakish injury, which doesn't even belong in this kind of conversation. But the outer point, and we've made it a bunch of years in a row, if a player, if a pitcher is getting a free agency, generally there are nine reasons why, right? And, and when you overpay and you go multi-year, multi-multi-year, like we're talking about here, it's almost never a win situation for that new team. Is it is it something that's ever going to be figured out, or is pitching just too damn necessary and needed and 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 you know, monumentally depth oriented that these kind of contracts are going to continue to happen and and pitcher and teams are just going to bite it when this kind of stuff happens, which happens every year, by the way. Yeah, it's a it's it's a really good 
thing to consider going forward? Like, how let me frame it all- differently. Let me frame it differently because I feel like I stumbled on that. The contracts we're seeing for Scherzer and Verlander, two years in an option, super high AAV, right? Something we, that's new, and I feel like it's only new because they're forty-three years old. But isn't that the better approach? Isn't that where most of these free agent contract pitching contracts should be going? Less term, more AAV, take a bigger risk now versus having to deal with something for four years and, and one elbow injury or one lat injury could completely derail this thing. Back injuries more and more. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that where this thing should be going, Dan? Oh, for sure. I think we have both been advocates of that, yeah. um, especially for pitchers as they age. Um, now that that it doesn't. It doesn't really work with free agency, though, because, you know, pitchers can easily spend their entire prime um, emptying the tank before they hit free agency. And then they get to free agency and we want to sit there and say, oh, take one year for 15 mil every single year when really they might only have one or one or two years left of pitching. Um, you so know, the AAV has got to be worth contract. it. You've got to get a four year contract of money into a two-year contract. You know what I mean? And and, and that's yep. the balance that I think both sides should be willing to take. I know that's going to be, you know, hurtful to the tax cap. So damn what, you know? I feel like that's just the direction everybody needs to go here with these pitching contracts because unfortunately, and by the way, the dozens of hamstring injuries I'm putting in every single day, it's unbelievable right now. I, I'm not even sure that's freakish. That just seems like a lack of training with weather issues and all that. You know what I mean? But tons of back issues, obviously the elbow stuff, Dustin May yesterday, the next example, it's just not going away. You know, it's not going away. So contractually speaking, something's going to have to give or we're going to see 12 DeGrom situations with the top pitchers in baseball finally getting to free agency or getting trying to get to that third contract. And teams are going to start saying, hell no, it's just not going to happen anymore. We're going to get to a breaking point for the players. So you're right. Carlos Rodon wants to get six years because for six years he was not able to get anything. But I think we all have to come to an understanding that maximize your next three three years of pay because who the hell knows? It's it's just the injury odds are not on their side right now. Oh, yeah. I'm on board with that. And I think that we are going to see a shift towards um, pitchers getting high AV, shorter term contracts um, into their like earlier 30s. And I mean, like, Scherzer, Verlander are total outliers, like just in in the sport in general, that they're operating at this level into their 40s um, to earn a contract that big. So like that is sort of a very unique um, situation for both of those guys. But uh, we're going to see a framework that that could be the high bar, right? The model that's created and then everybody kind of falls in underneath that. Right. But I I guess the point I want to make is regardless, regardless I think there will be a market for high end, a multi-year high AAV market for elite perceived elite pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, there always will be that. I think these like 80th percentile contracts like this, you know, the, the Carlos Rodon contract had so many red flags. I cannot stress it enough. We talked about it when it was signed. Um, like the guy was literally non-tendered by the white Sox because of right. poor performance plus major injury concerns. And then he goes to San Francisco has a good year, stays healthy. And then just can't like everybody forgets that whatever. I, but I guess what I'm before, saying but, is those red flags existed and then led to him hitting free agency. Otherwise the giants give him a huge contract, a huge contract. 
You know what I mean? Right. And, and so I, if they're I getting get, to the free agent market for whatever reason, mostly injuries, let's be fair. We, these contracts can't, can't look like this anymore. They just can't. And yeah. teams, teams are going to get to that point and it's, it behooves the players and the agents to start figuring that this is this will brick wall is coming soon, right? There's no more six year contract coming for starting pitchers that hit the market. Cause every, because the, the, the reason they're here is going to be as well known as possible. And, and look, the Correa situation, not a pitcher, but certainly an injury conversation was so public, right? I mean, they, was it, it maybe drove the winter after Aaron Judge signed? I feel like that's now going to become a thing. These these constant medicals, these constant physicals, and it'll turn into a more adjustment approached contract. But that we saw a lot of recklessness this offseason, free agent wise. Don't you agree with that? I would agree with that because yeah, of the lack of depth in certain spots in the free agent market. Right? I, I would totally totally yeah. agree with that. All right, let's move on. Uh, some trades. There were a few. The Braves had their hands in a couple of them, as per usual. They'll have a, their hand in a couple more in August. Uh, Oakland <laughs> gutted their roster, an annual tradition like no other. Um, the Blue Jays made some really calculated moves, losing a player and bringing in a, a starter and a half here. Um, what trade do you believe sits atop the list right now at the quarter turn of this season? Well, I think the Sean Murphy trade is pretty obviously the yeah. biggest, uh, most impactful in a number of ways, not just because of the Brave side of it, but the, the Brewers like got involved um, yeah. and sort of got like William Contreras as a cast off piece almost and, and really didn't even give that much up in um, in in prospect capital. So I and then just like the repercussions of that leading to a Sean Murphy extension. Um, you know, Oakland is like well published. I just think there's so many storylines involved um, with this trade that, um, for a number of reasons, I think this was like the highest impact trade of the off season. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, a nine player trade usually does that, right? He, yeah, it's uh, there's no question Atlanta's winning this thing right now with Sean Murphy, who is just he, he has just taken a whole nother level, leaving that Oakland organization and coming into a lineup that can just do everything from one through nine. So. Uh, it's tough to look away from that trade. There's no question. The Dalton Varsho move was nice. The Blue Jays really looked deep and 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 compact, and and they fit well together. And I think there was some sub- addition by subtraction. Even they can pitch, which is rare, right? That's new for them. There's some st- stability in the rotation. Um, they're not done though, right? Oh no, they'll add. I, I would assume they're going to be yeah. looking at pitchers, like despite that nice rotation. Um, I think there might be some depth there. They haven't really had any injury. They're one of the few teams that have had any um, issues with their starting rotation. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, I've been on record. I really liked how their offseason came together, the pieces. I I didn't highlight it in our earlier um, topic, but I really like the Kevin Kiermeyer deal for just what it did to the the construction of this roster. He's playing center field. It was a reasonable, maybe an overpay in some people's eyes, but. a, a premium defensive center fielder like that. Um, Varsho can play center, but he kicks over to left. You kick over a former center fielder, George Springer into right field. So you have literally three center fielders. Um, one of the best, maybe the best uh, defensive outfield in the league. I I really liked um, that 
um, move operating from a place of depth with uh, the catchers that they have in the system. How about so, the Twins trading the AL batting champ to the Marlins for Pablo Lopez and a couple of other pieces and now sit atop the division four four games over 500? Uh, definitely a few games better than I thought they'd be at this point in time. I thought they were going to step backwards a little bit. That was a late trade. Seems to be doing the trick right now. They're uh, They're holding court here, right? For sure, I that this is an organization that is quickly um, joining the group of um, yeah. teams that that. Well, I, I think what I'm trying to say is that like that they're getting a lot out of lesser known pitchers. They're mag- like Pablo Lopez was good in Miami. Has taken another step in Minnesota. Um, we saw them kind of do that with Sonny Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're another. You, you you're going to soon be lumping them into these. Rays, Dodgers, Guardians. Um, it's you know the Twins are going to be in that in in some you know in some time here. But yeah, that was an excellent move, uh, a good move all around. Uh, Luis Arias has been good in Miami. It's just not really the kind of profile I usually buy into is like a long term buy. Um, but mm-hmm. regardless, um, on the flip side of that too, we saw another nice baseball trade with, with Miami and Oakland swapping two former top prospects, AJ Puck. Um, who ha- has gotten some saves in Miami, JJ Bleday, who has um, played quite a bit in Oakland, um, mostly because of injuries. But mm-hmm. regardless, that was like another one I wanted to highlight here. Um, you know, okay. a lot of times we see these like player swaps turn into nothing, but uh, that was another one that I thought uh, was interesting. All right. Some of these extensions we tracked this off season or maybe uh, early into the major league baseball regular season, Dan, that stood out for you. Well, the Murphy one I already touched on. Um, that one is particularly interesting because they had Travis Darno. Um, <laughs> he's got a club option after this year for, I believe, eight mil, which yep. will probably not get picked up um, it's after that extension. But regardless, I I liked that Atlanta sort of jumped the gun last year and got Rysel Iglesias as a closer, knowing that Kenley Jansen um, was going out the door. It was significantly cheaper to acquire him um, a year before he was like the prime closer on the market. They sort of did that here um, with catcher, in my opinion, um, to get a, a like premium defender, all pro uh, offensive uh, bat in their lineup and Sean Murphy. Um, I know I said I wouldn't talk about Sean Murphy again, but I just did. Uh, I think the Corbin Carroll contract is easily the most impactful right now that happened this offseason. Um, just to be able to lock up a player of that caliber for that amount of money for that term. Um, I think there's a ton of upside in that contract. Um, that is, I think my favorite one. Okay. Back to Murphy a little bit in those Braves contracts. We've highlighted it quite a bit, how they've, uh, been so aggressive to, to extend from internal contracts and get early deals done with pre-hard players and yada, yada, um, this is kind of round two of acquire a player and extend him immediately, right? Matt Olson did that two years ago when Freddie Freeman walked out and Olson was acquired and immediately extended. And that's just phenomenal business because what it's saying out loud is, is not only are we acquiring you, we can't even wait a minute to sign you because the second you get here and start playing for this team and, and, and drop into this lineup, your value is going to double. And it did in both cases, Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. Easily. So we're going to sign you right now to a great contract so that we don't have to get outpriced by you in 12 months, which we know is going to happen because of, of how well you're going to fit in this lineup. So it's just really smart stuff from a team that is not going away anytime soon. 
in the National League East and certainly not in the National League as a whole. And that's where the Braves stand right now at the top of that. Um, speaking of which, I'm going to guess you're not going to leave the Braves too long when we talk about MVP conversations here. Uh, uh, no, no, probably not. <laughs> I'm guessing Acuna is your NL favorite right now. Um, I mean, it's going to be hard to get away from him. The main yeah. concern there from a betting perspective is that, well, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have just dove in as if people care about it from a betting perspective, but why not? He is, he is at the top. Um, he's already the favorite. Yeah. If, if I want to poke holes, there could be some injury concerns. You almost hold every, you hold your breath almost every time he yeah. slides recklessly into a base. So um, that's where I would poke the hole in it from that. But I mean, he's a legit 40, 40 candidate this year. Um, looks fully healthy from what I can see. I, I think that's pretty, pretty easy call there. Yeah. Is his team too good to win it? No, I don't think so. I, if anything, that bolsters the counting stats. People, you know, I, yeah. I know we look at, you know, war-based metrics and, and some other advanced stuff um, when analyzing these things now, but there's still a large contingent, contingent that just wants the counting stats. So um, he's going to pile them up in that lineup versus, um, you know, a guy in like a, on a lesser team. So, and I, I, I do want to point out the le- sort of lack of competition. There's not like a we see these five category players like kind of trend in that direction, unless you have just like a bona fide power hitter. Um, there's not a lot of those guys uh, this year at the time. Yeah, it's May you know? 18th and he's a plus plus one forty to win the MVP. Yeah. That's and freaking se- insane. And second is he's, is Tatis at 12 to one. Right. So, I mean, which is kind of crazy. So crazy. Like in, unless like Pete Alonzo hits 50 plus home runs or something like that. I, you know, it's going to be hard for him to to not win that thing. I, I think Pete's but. got a real chance, and, and the reason is the Mets are in the tank right now, and there have been multiple games where he has single handedly pulled them out of it. That's the storyline that drives a lot of conversations with this kind of award. He's going to have and to I, do it twenty five more times, and the Mets are going to have to at least contend. You know, they're not going to contend for first place anymore in this division, but if they can solidify a wild card spot and become worthy of their payroll to some degree and he's the reason why that's gonna that's gonna grab some votes there's no question about it right i think that's the point you were trying to make earlier with um acuna is is that team yeah. too good for anyone to say like to get stale. Stale. right are right. there too many right. factors involved are there too many good players around him and and are we going to forget about this team in july because they take their foot off the gas pedal you know what i mean Right. And there's, I mean, there's what, probably four other guys, you know, four yeah. top 10 MVP candidates on that team. Austin Riley, Matt Olson, maybe Sean Murphy too. So yeah, I totally agree on that. But I, I think, um, the, I, w- sorry, what I wanted to say is I agree on the Alonzo point though, that he could definitely put that team on his back if he carries them to, you know, a division title or a wild card berth um, with, you know, not a lot else around them, you know, being successful. I could, I could see that. So three of the top 10, actually, I guess, well, Muncie's still got a couple of years of uh, control left and Gold, I guess Goldschmidt's got two years left. So let's just say two of the top five in the national league, Alonzo and Juan Soto, which are fourth and fifth right now in MVP odds are strongly in contract negotiation talks, or at least in the, in the window for that. I think maybe it's calmed down a little bit with Soto and I'm not sure where it stands right now with Alonzo. Um, where are we going to get with that, Dan? Do you think both are in a holding pattern? Um, is the, 
is the Mets' slow start plus their ridiculous payroll right now going to impact the Alonzo contract timing-wise, or does it ever get done before free agency? Are we Where are we with these two players specifically who have had kind of up-and-down uh, negotiation patterns with this? So if I'm picking, I, I think the uh, an Alonzo extension is more likely to get done. Mm-hmm. I mostly, I, I mostly can you say imagine, that. Can you imagine announcing a $350 million contract for Alonzo right now when they're in fourth place? The New York maybe media would go freaking nuts. Maybe that's the marketing boost that Uncle Steve <laughs> needs, right? No, but I say that because I think there's motivation on both ends. I, like. Yeah. This is not a player with a ton of holes. We've talked in the past. He's plugged a lot of the concerns in his mm-hmm. game um, in terms of like strikeout rates and he's walking more, better contact to all, all fields. The power is bona fide. These players don't come available very long. Yeah. Um, with a profile like this, I don't see Steve Cohen letting him walk. And it seems like Pete wants to be there, that, that like he's, he's made for New York. So I don't really see why um, – it mm-hmm. wouldn't get done at some point, but I mean, that might be wishful thinking as well. So, yeah. And, and Soto just going to ride this thing to the end, you think? I mean, he's a Boris client. I just like, I'm kind of done wish casting that those guys get things done before, you know, I, I just don't, I just don't, it's not happening to me I, unless he gets blown away or the, like, I, I know you've sort of like offline joked that like how much is this slow start yeah. actually the last year and a half plus, how much has this tanked his value? I am still in the camp that not not much. Like he, he's gonna, he's a per, he has perceived elite tools. He's gonna become a free agent at an elite age. Yeah. Um, I I think the pieces are still there for him to get a, a huge payday, and I think Scott Boris is just the guy to get that for him. So he was in uh, he was in the historic conversation for a while. That's um, the diff, that's the change here. And, and Otani's gonna Otani's gonna change that landscape here soon. So is Soto now lumped in with the judges and the Alonzos and the Machados and the Betzes of the world? Or does he still have, because of his age and, and truly his, his, his skill set is greater than all these players at the plate, is he still a step above? Is he still, you think, going to be atop of this mountain, under the Otani mountain, but atop everybody else when it's all said and done? I still think so, yes. Okay. I, I do acknowledge there are avenues there for like it to not go that way but i i mean we we talked about him i think he was maybe the original first could this be a 400 million dollar player i i'm really not off of that quite honestly i i, I still think he's going to be in that range i, I actually think pete alonzo is going to be the first 400 million dollar player yeah that and that i'm not gonna i'm not yeah. gonna argue with that yeah, it's hard for me to not to see that because I, I think you're actually underestimating or understating how much better he's gotten every year at all of these things that he's been objectively criticized for, including his physical fitness and everything. Um, and I'm going to say this. This is kind of a hot take. Not really. Everybody said this who's watched baseball enough. Juan Soto takes too many damn days off. And I'm not saying literally sitting on the bench, not in the lineup. Um there's been a lack of effort in the outfield. There's been some at-bats that have gone by the wayside. There was a time when I thought that was calculated. I'm not sure that's the case anymore. So to me, he's in the best situation possible right now, which is surrounded by other superstars. And if he's a lone dog, a $500 million contract sitting around a bunch of players who aren't you know, of that caliber, I'm not sure he can be a winning caliber player 
in this game right now. So, and, and by the way, that's exactly the opposite of how I feel about Pete Alonzo. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I think there's something to that. And I think there's something to the offers that have been made to him from both Washington and San Diego right now that sort of outline that a little bit, that he is unbelievably talented, but there is a, a, a rung on the ladder missing as we go up this thing and as we go down 10, 15 years of a career. And I think that'll, that's going to impact him financially. I really do believe that. And, and we'll see where, just how far it gets to. But that, I mean, for what it's worth, there was a time where Victor Robles was the top, was, oh, was, God, uh, yeah. was a bigger candidate uh, prospect in the Washington system than Juan yeah. Soto. So like in terms of like a pedig- from a pedigree perspective, um, like, yeah, there was something there. There, yes, there was, but it wasn't necessarily like he was didn't enter as like an elite elite prospect, like I'm sort of hinting at. So yeah, there's there's ways it could go wrong, and that I'm just overstating it. I mean, I just see those the the, the tantalizing elite skills, and I we I do admit we have to see them again at some point. But um, I still think I I guess this is an age it's an age conversation as well. I agree too, that that he's gonna you know he's gonna hit pre agency in his prime still. So okay. AL MVP. It's a dogfight. I know it's Otani's right now. By the way, plus 100, minus 100 on some sites right now. Um, yes, he's having a hell of a season again. He's holding his end of the serve. It's the storyline too, though, right? I mean, we, everybody wants him to be the MVP in the American League, right? Yeah, it's real. I think uh, the only way it doesn't happen is injury. Like yeah. the last two years, we've sort of seen historic seasons kind of stop prevent him um so like like the judge like let's just say the judge year like people kind of said like well any other year otani would get it judge put up a historic year so let's just wait and give him the year the mvp in a year where we're like not blown away by anyone specific we just went through this in the nba like Embiid probably should have got it two years ago he had to wait his turn and then he was essentially served it this year even though a lot of people had other other names in mind it's it's exactly that conversation and, and, but it's deserved it. Right. Oh yeah, it is. It is. I, I guess I'm just trying to say like, it, he's going to sleep unless somebody really lights it up from here on out. He's going to sleepwalk his way to the MVP unless he gets hurt. I know there's a lot of uh, caveats to that, but I mean, like, give me a name he, down the list. Judge is going to start to make a crawl. You can see it. His, his swing is really starting to round into form here. Uh, Vlad's dealing with a knee issue, which stinks because he was kind of, he was kind of the guy for a bit here. Who, who's going to climb this thing up a little bit? I got a name I'm looking at on a team I hate. <laughs> um, pretty easily, Randy Rosarena. Yeah, for me. That's, that's one of them for me. That's my name. He looks like he. I mean, he's been an incredible player ever since he broke in in that playoff run, and this year he looks like he has another gear on a really good team. Um, he has not slowed down yet. So he, he's just another one of those guys, high average. He's going to pile up counting stats, including mm-hmm. stolen bases. Um, he's a guy I think that um, is a little bit sneaky down the list. <clears throat> I don't think Rafael Devers is going away. And uh, I, I don't like anything about that Boston team. I think they're just kind of living on house money right now and riding a couple of good series out. I, I don't think that that's going to be the case come June, July. But he, he's for real in that lineup right now. And his importance and that contract getting done probably saved the next four years of Boston Red Sox baseball, at least from a watchability standpoint, and is going to allow them to develop like we talked about when that contract hit. 
he's the real deal. He looks like young Jose Ramirez um, and then some, just a more talented, powerful version of that. This guy is going to be top five AL MVP candidate for the foreseeable future, in my opinion. Does Julio Rodriguez figure things out? Seattle's weird right now, Dan. Yeah, I didn't love that team coming into the year, and it's kind of uh, played out that way. It's just, it's outside of Julio, it's not a sexy lineup. And if he struggles, then what do you have? And he hasn't had, you know, necessarily the start that he had last year. So, I mean, he, I think he's still a good player. He's going to figure it out long term, in my opinion. But um, in terms of like an MVP vote, I, I don't know. I mean, he yep. could he could get back in that race, but currently, no. The only reason I bring it up is I'm I'm literally ball hawk watching it because of how much is tied to his contract from an, from an MVP standpoint. And I just want I want to see everything hit. I want to see this gigantic two part contract to come together and become literally a career contract of massive levels that we've never seen in this league before. So I'm 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 literally box score watching Julio Rodriguez every day to see if he's going to get in this conversation. And I'm going to do it for the next five years because there's so much impact to what can happen with the second part of that deal if he hits a couple of these MVPs. Uh, Cy Young seemed pretty easy too, right? <laughs> it's, been, it's been a pretty chalk first, first quarter turn here for baseball. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, it, so, something is to be said that Garrett Cole has one of the biggest contracts um, in yeah. the league and is still at the top of our uh, of our value rankings uh, on SpotTrack.com. Um, he's just he's just again taken it to, to another level this year. So he's really um, figured out that um, sweat rosin combo. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? It's it's working <laughs> for him this year. In uh, the NL. Spencer Strider is going to continue to climb. He's he's made a bolster of a climb the last month. He's going to be the, the favorite here again uh, as for a back-to-back candidate. But z- what Zach Gallon's doing has to surprise the hell out of you <laughs> because I know this guy's been on your fantasy radar for half a decade, and he hasn't been half of what he is right now. Yeah, I've got to admit that this one is going to piss me off because yeah. this was one, this was a Cy Young bet I had in the queue until the velocity thing, uh, the spring spring velocity numbers uh, had everybody concerned. I backed off of it and here he is just absolutely torching the league um, after like one rough start, I think on opening day. And then he's just been incredible ever since. So um, yeah, there's a little bit more, there's a little bit more here. I mean, like nobody necessarily, the pack could even out is what I'm trying to say really quickly here after a couple bad starts from any of these guys. So um, I'm not going to bet Zach Allen at the top of the market or even Spencer Strider at the top of the market. Um, we've seen Strider kind of ha- str- have a couple starts here where he struggled. Maybe he comes back um, down a little bit, but yeah, I mean, those two are the favorites for sure. Uh, you know, I don't see any reason um, no. to argue against that, but no, outside of injury, I, I think Strider's going to run away, run away with this thing again. He's just a, he's a unicorn out there. It's pretty unbelievable what the Braves been able to put together. How about the rookies? You were pretty high on Carroll's contract. I imagine he's kind of still the guy for you, right? Yeah, it's going to be hard to get past him for sure. I mean, there's some guys I like, but um mm-hmm. Just and, he's uh, gonna steal steal enough bases to to get there. So yeah, he's a five tool asset. What about the AL side of it? The uh, the Orioles players were certainly at the top of this list coming into the season. They've cooled a little bit. Every everybody in that organization sort of drawn back a little bit to to normalcy. 
who is making a run? I can tell you right now, I've got Josh Young in fantasy. That Texas third baseman, he's he can hit. He's he's got some uh, he's got some savviness at the plate. Anthony Volpe certainly holding up a little bit. Um, you know, certainly more defensively than offensively right now, but he looks like he's going to fit the part there in New York. Uh, but who's at the top of this list for you? AL Rookie of the Year right now. Man, this list is a mess. It is. Yeah, it's a bettable <laughs> um, list. This is probably a bet we should be making right now. Yeah, so the name that sticks out to me right away is Hunter Brown. Um, yeah. I, I had some concerns coming into the season with Houston, which is why I thought Texas could be a sneaky bet. Um, it sort of played out like that. And a lot of my concern with Houston was because of the depth of the pitching. Now, yeah. that, again, has played out so far. And Hunter Brown is a prominent piece there. So if Houston keeps it together, makes, you know, gets into the playoffs, wins that division. I think it's going to have a lot to do with a guy like Hunter Brown. Um, so he's one at 14 to one that I'm seeing uh, down the list a little bit that I like, but um, I have heard a lot about Yoshida, which is kind of, he's at the top right now, which is sort of like some people don't think it's really fair because he's 30, but um, yeah, regardless, he's, you know, and been a professional player, but he's, he still does qualify for rookie of the year status. But beyond that, I mean, it's like totally wide open to me. Okay. All right. Uh, last conversation. We'll get out of here. A couple of names just in baseball. I know you follow most of these teams every single day. A couple of names around the league that you think are just enhancing their paydays monumentally right now with the first quarter of the season, whether it's, for the for the later or maybe in the next couple of months here. So I've talked way too much about Julio Urias Urias. I'm sorry, I mess that up yeah. every time. Um, I think you know he's a top five Cy Young candidate still. I think he's going to get a massive payday. So he, um, Dan, let's talk about him. Expiring contract. Dodgers didn't want to pay this year. They're certainly going to start to pay next year. We know how this works. It's going to be an on-off switch with the tax and the Peter situation. Um, does he have red flags? Would he be one of these pitchers that hits the open market with a red flag like we're talking about here? Or, or would he simply be a product of his situation where the Dodgers didn't want to do an early extension, which means he now gets to the winter, gets to free agency, and he literally is a perfect candidate for a multi-year extension as a starting pitcher? I'm just getting hung up on using perfect. I think there's some domestic violence um, accusations Fair. involved with that player. So I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to lean on that wording, but regardless. That, that uh, is what we consider a red flag here at spotcast.com. <laughs> everything else outside of that talent wise, age wise. Um, I think he has the makings for a major contract. Yes. I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. But Do the um, Dodgers let him get there. So the Dodgers are interesting I know. because I, I don't really know where they go with this whole Walker Bueller thing. I mean, they have like some premium pitching prospects in the queue, but do they just want to like lock up another guy that is that like quote theirs? Um, do you think they have to wait and see if they win the Otani sweepstakes? Is it one or the other with Urias or Otani? Good question. I, I don't know what the landing spot is for, for him the player i just think he gets paid but i i guess i haven't really thought about how it plays out um because they need pit we've, we've talked about it even if this is a playoff caliber team they do not want to be starting five guys with or four guys with less than three years of service time i can almost guarantee you that so right um 
I think that they would be willing to pay. Is it contingent on Otani? I would think no, just based on it, the Dodgers being the Dodgers, but maybe, maybe it is. But I, I think if they want to go shopping and there's elite talent, like what they think is elite talent at the right age that will age well. Um, yeah, I mean, he's going to be 27 this August, Urias. So, I mean, it's it's setting up for what should be either a blockbuster extension or Carlos Rodon 2.0, or Garrett Cole 2.0, possibly, right? That's the contract you're shooting for if you're hitting the open market. It's got to be. You got 25, yeah. 26 teams that are going to be in on this guy. Everybody from Arizona to Baltimore to the New Yorks, everybody. Everybody's in on this guy, Toronto. So the Dodgers know it. And if they have an opportunity to do it now, they'll do it. But I, I have a feeling that 550, 600 million for Otani is in the way right now of this contract. So that's a fascinating one. I've talked to Matt Chapman a lot. I'm guessing he's high on your list right now in terms of uh, getting something done. Oh, yeah. I actually can't believe I didn't bring him up first. He was my buy of the offseason from like a fantasy perspective for yeah. why I thought Toronto would take a, a, another step, including like the Kiermaier, Dalton Marshall deals, Chris Bassett, et cetera. Um, that was one that I thought was really important. Um, yep. What about a player like a Rosie or Rosarena, Randy or Rosarena? The Franco contract has looked excellent, but it's, it's one of one in Tampa. It's just one of one. They don't do it this way, Dan. They do bridge contracts and then trade the player in the fourth year, fourth or fifth year before things get too high salary wise. Is that a player they can they can afford to keep around, or is are they going to string him along year by year and then eventually get to a point where they're going to he's going to be outpriced? Mm. How many years can you be this damn good and not pay for? Yeah, it? you know what yeah, I mean. See, yeah, the same thing with Urias. Uh, the like, I think my hesitation with the team being the one to pay them is that they ha they might have had that opportunity six months ago or a year ago, and then are they really going to pay at the top of the market? Like, Rainier yeah. Rosarena, the value is the highest it's ever been. Same with Julio Urias. I, I don't know, like, if the Dodgers were thinking about this six months ago and now they saw it and they're like, wow, he is elite. We're going to, you know, if his value doubled in the last six months or, you know, 25 increased 25%. That's why that's where I kind of get hung up on that. So is Tampa going to be the team to pay him? I don't know, but I mean, I do still think they are willing to commit. And Randy Rosarena is like the Rays. I mean, like over the last couple of years. So I I think they could. I think it's in play for a team that gets a, a rap as cheap. Um, this was I, he's, he just turned twenty eight. This is year one of four arbitration years, which. Again, that's just Tampa Bay being Tampa Bay. Um, but it also means those, those arbitration numbers are going to inflate pretty quickly, right? Pretty damn quickly. Does that spawn an extension conversation itself where Tampa Bay then can control that AAV a little bit better versus having to take a hit one year after a next, after a next, you know what I mean? Where they can flatten things out over the next three arbitration seasons and then maybe kick in two or three free agent years and, and make him happy in that regard. Yeah. And even if that includes an opt out, like where it covers one free agent year and includes an opt out after that yeah. player or team, um, you know, if they, if they just want to kind of guarantee uh, cost certainty over the next mm -hmm. few years with his arbitration numbers, I think I actually like that idea um, rather than like a 10 year extension coming in here. I, I think maybe like a, four five six year extension that includes an opt-out after arbitration um might make sense something along those lines 
Okay, let's finish with the list. You know how I love my lists. Here's the top 10 tax payroll teams. All right. You should know them by, by heart by now, by the way. <laughs> um, quick, quick answer. Yes or no. Are they going to make the playoffs this year? Mets. Oh, man. Uh, yes. Yankees. Yes. Padres. Um. Yes, but so- somewhere I'm going to run out of wild card teams here. But <laughs> Phillies. <laughs> um, I'm going to stand by it. No, I-, I mean I just don't think they put together a run like they did last. If the year. Mets are in, the Phillies definitely are not. Right, right. So Blue Jays. Yeah, I'm standing by that. Yep. Dodgers. Yeah. Braves. Yes. Yes. Angels. No. God, that's awful. I just still don't I just still don't believe in the bullpen. I think there are whole like the lineup is the lineup and it's you know, it's legit good, but man, the pitching still scares me on multiple fronts. Like I just I don't know what to say beyond that. If so. they know it's a no in, in in July, do they keep or, or trade Otani? I I keep waffling on this so i don't even know what my last answer would be yes or no question contradictory (laughs) um no there no i could just should they probably i could just see Artie moreno being the guy that lets him walk for nothing so i agree with you they don't make the playoffs and they don't trade him uh number nine the cubs no Number I 10, like the Rangers. The, I still like the team, but no. Um, Rangers, yeah, baby. Though that's my team this year, the Rangers. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I'm having a hard time getting away from it either. Everything that yeah. I said, the pitching depth is there outside of the DeGrom concerns. Um, the Nate Evaldi, I didn't talk about it earlier. Nate Evaldi, that's turning into one of the best offseason contracts. Yep. They got a guy that has proven it, um, that he can be an ace in the past outside of some inconsistencies and injury concerns so far, he's kind of thrown that by the wayside. They got a legit ace for I think 18 mil a year. So that that's a really nice deal. I like the Rangers a lot this year. And I think there's still good young players that could, could be brought up to supplement this thing. If, if things, uh, you know, do go off the rails. So too much time on them. Go ahead. <laughs> Plenty of season left, man. Thanks for this. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. See ya. 